Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we're continuing our 10-question series focusing on best ball and rookies because it's freaking April 1st, not an April Fool's joke. It's just the reality of the situation, everybody, and we do not have live football to talk about. Everyone chastised me for years when I supported the AAF and the XFL because I like watching live football. Is it that big of a you know reason to hate me? I guess not, but it is what it is. Either way, good topics on hand as I try to stop rambling here. So, very special guest today. You can find his work over at Establish the Run. Fantastic uh, dynasty ranks that I've checked out, you know, throughout this offseason. And also just general fantasy football goodness. Also co-host of Ship Chasing and Establish the Edge podcast. The man, the myth, the legend, Pat Corain, who you can find on Twitter at Pat Corain. Pat, thank you so much for the time, man, and happy uh, April Fool's Day. Yeah, happy April Fool's Day, and thanks for having me on. <laughs> Man, I really thought, I, would, I don't know, you know, it's one of those content moments where I was really just, you know, I remember thinking yesterday, like, I should really put some thought into this, come up with a good April Fool's joke. I don't know. I've, I finished a bottle of shish on midnight. I was just like, oh, it's not AJB wide receiver one season. I let myself down. I let my Twitter followers down. And <laughs> you know what? We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back in 2021. But this podcast will not be a joke, everybody. Again, I want to be focusing on rookies, best ball dynasty, kind of the whole uh, combang. Pat, like myself, you know, we focus on football pretty much 365 days a year. So a lot of exciting topics to get here uh, to get to here. And Pat, first thing I want to talk about rookies and best ball because I know uh, as you know, someone that have again your dynasty ranks, I think top 150 you have over at established a run. So it's huge right now. And if you're doing a dynasty draft before the draft, if you're one of those savages, you can make uh, you know, you can make it some good value for yourself. More realistically, you're probably doing a best ball draft where okay, we see Najee Harris, we see ETM, we see kind of the big guys up at the top. But if you know anything about these other rankings, you're gonna be able to get them at a value that we're just not gonna see once their eventual landing spot is revealed, uh, you know, come the end of April at the draft. So, what is your general, I guess, philosophy on approaching rookies in best ball drafts right now before we know their actual landing spot? yeah i think what tends to happen is that there there's a few guys that get priced pretty close to where they're going to end up going after the nfl draft like you know your your jamar chases um the big three running backs kyle pitts like they're not sneaking up on anybody but you are seeing stuff like zach wilson is quarterback 27 right now he's probably going to be the number two pick overall i think his adp will go up a bit i mean he's got pretty big arm. He's, he's mobile. Um, I, I think he's kind of a nice cheap quarterback three that you can add. Um, you can even just start to stack him with the jets if you want. Um, you know, you're trying to, in a lot of these best ball leagues right now, they're, they're tournaments. So you're shooting for upside. So if you go ahead and get a really cheap jet stack with Wilson, I kind of like that. Um, I think Trey Lance has huge upside. He's going to be a high draft pick. He's going quarterback 29. Another kind of swing for the fences, quarterback three play. And then even the running backs, Harris, Etienne, and Williams, I think on an individual level, they probably have some of their upside baked in. But I think one of these guys is probably going to end up in a really good spot and we're going to get really excited. So I would try to have some exposure to those guys still. And then what happens beyond the big names is I think at running back, there's some guys that have a pretty high floor in terms of their NFL draft position. Like Michael Carter's not going to fall out of the draft. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell's not going to fall out of the draft. And I think even Chuba Hubbard probably, you know, maybe he's a fourth or fifth round pick, but I don't think he's, I mean, I think he's got potential for, for day two. So those three guys I think are pretty solid. Outside of that, I'm not, I'm not diving too much into the running backs for best ball drafts because you could 
be talking about guys who aren't even drafted at, at wide receiver though. I think similar thing where you've got, you know, chase, I think Devonta Smith, you know, those guys aren't catching anybody by surprise, but Rashad Bateman, I don't think his upside is fully baked in. He had a bit of a disappointing pro day today. He's only six foot one ninety. I think we all thought he might be a little man. bit bigger than that. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, he's, it was an extremely productive college wide receiver, extremely efficient over the past two seasons had a 3.47 yards per route run over his last 18 games. The rest of the team combined for 1.62. So just wildly more efficient than his teammates and dominating his, the market share of that offense. I think he's going to be a good pro and you can get him at uh, wide receiver 50. So I like him a lot. And then you've got a bunch of boom bust guys later on Terrace Marshall, who's got, I think a really high ceiling didn't do anything until his final season, but he is an early declare and he was playing behind Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson previous to this last year. So like, what was he supposed to do? Right. <laughs> um, and he's a young guy. I think he ran a sub four, four forty. So I, I like him a lot. And then Diami Brown is another guy. I know PFF's really high on him and he's basically free. He's going to have a pretty clear cut role in the NFL is going to be a deep threat. Uh, same with with Marshall, probably. And, you know, these are the better and best ball guys. So I like getting those guys pretty much for free um, and just kind of adding some additional volatility at the wide receiver position. And generally with these best ball leagues, I like to go a, a heavy amount of wide receivers and really get those later picks with those volatile wide receivers that can add points to your to your team every week. Yeah, if you happen to, you know, get the running backs you want early, you can have these roster constructions where you only have four or five backs potentially and kind of yep. use those extra slots at wide receiver. I, I love the philosophy because I do look at guys like ETN and Harris and the guys that, to your point, are already kind of priced pretty close to where they'll be within they're within the same tier of where they'll be once they're yeah. on the uh, landing spot. Like that's risky, but the guys you're talking about, they're going down in the bottom with kind of guys that we almost already know are backups. So if it's someone where you already know their role and you already know their role is nothing, you know, resembling a super fantasy friendly guy, why not take a shot on the rookie that, you know, a lot of people are not as high on as they inevitably will be, uh, you know, when they are in May. So you're not going to lose your draft though because you're 14th round pick uh, trying to take, you know, Michael Carter or Kenneth Gamewell of the world. And I love the point about, uh, Zach Wilson with the Jets. I mean, how high do you think his ceiling could be? Because generally, man, you know, I, I wrote an article on uh, Justin Fields and kind of his potential top spots and just top, quarterbacks picking the top 10, like every now and then you get the Mahomes of the world that don't start that often. Uh, Jake Locker was the last one to not start a single game uh, as a rookie, but usually you get drafted in the top 10, you are going to be out there. The average top 10 QB since 2010 has started 12.3 games during his debut season. Just four of the 23 QBs drafted inside the top 10 started fewer than 10 games. So Zach Wilson and uh, Trey Lance, like, yeah, man, it just seems like they're going to have a starting job somewhere. And right now they're being priced as guys that, either don't have a starting job or we're just kind of expecting them uh, to not be very good with it. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good bet to make. I think the jets are going to trade Darnold. I think they're going to take Wilson and then trade Darnold. And I, I don't want to, you know, if a team tells me that they're going to commit to this, this quarterback that they just took number two overall, I'm going to say, okay, he's probably good then, or you're going to, you're going to give him enough of an opportunity to put up fantasy points. I mean, we laughed at the Giants when they took Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones had a pretty good fantasy rookie season. You know, Blake Bortles was a bust, but he actually had a pretty good, wasn't so good as a rookie, as more as a sophomore, but 
these guys, like who, even guys who we don't think are going to turn out long-term, if, if they get drafted high, they're going to get a big opportunity. They can put up fantasy points. They don't need to be actual good NFL quarterbacks to contribute to your best ball teams. And then sometimes we're really wrong. Like Josh Allen was kind of thought to be a terrible pick and he's turned out to be a really, really good NFL quarterback. So I think you got to trust the draft position to some degree and trust that, you know, if they're going to spend the number two pick on him, he's going to be their starter. Yeah. I'm done writing off first round quarterbacks when we haven't seen them play an NFL snap yet. Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, even Justin Herbert last year, all guys that were yep. mocked the second they land on these teams. Turns out, you know, the guys drafting them in the top 10 knew a little bit, something about football, a little more than uh, guys like <laughs> us sitting, you know, uh, in our mom's basements talking about ball in uh, <laughs> March and April might know about it. So yeah, certainly not a bad idea to uh, uh, yeah. I mean, just value the draft compliment. I, Look, it's good to know everything we can about these prospects, but just don't get in the situation where you make up your mind on a player before we even know what team they're eventually going to be playing on. Uh, that would just be my one kind of caution to people really out there diving in these prospects. And, you know, that kind of leads us in the second question where, man, one day after another, it's okay, Mac Jones going number three, but oh my God, you see uh, the reaction after he overthrew one deep ball at the pro day. And meanwhile, Justin Fields is running really fast and throwing, you know, the ball really far. Two things that we saw him do repeatedly over each of the past two seasons. So, Look, landing spot, it's going to be crucial for these guys. I'm not getting caught up in the pro day hoopla. We know Lawrence is going to the Jags at one. We know Wilson, like you said, probably going to Jets at two. But otherwise, let's say, you know, Fields, Lance, uh, and uh, excuse me, oh, my gosh, uh, Fields, Lance, who's who, Mac Jones? Jones. Fourth. Yeah, there we go. Sheesh. We know those guys <laughs> are likely going to be following up. After the Jags and the Jets, what landing spot are you kind of penciling in saying, hey, if we can get one of these teams to devote their, you know, franchise to one of these top rookie quarterbacks, where could the, this quarterback land and immediately thrive in fantasy? Are you buying the Mac Jones to San Francisco at three? No, not at all. I yeah. think it's, you know, I think anyone that believes that is just being a mark and they should look themselves in the mirror and, you know, <laughs> evaluate things. All right, good. I I'm glad because to me, like Trey Lance going there would be really, really exciting. I think. You know, you've got the bridge quarterback in Garoppolo there, and Lance has just an immense ceiling. And, you know, I'd love to see him in the Shanahan offense. I think that would be really, really fun. I would also like Fields there, but I, for some reason, I kind of feel like they're thinking Lance, but I, I if they took Fields, I would also love that. And my thing, you know, like there was a lot made about how they went to the Mac Jones Pro Day, but they traded up to three. They already know who they're getting. Yeah, before the Pro Days. They didn't. They decided I don't care about the pro day. So then after that, who cares which pro day they don't care about they go to. So I don't think I'm not buying the Mac Jones thing either. And Fields or Lance there, I think would be the most exciting. But Carolina is the other one that I'm really hoping they land one of Fields or or Lance. And again, they have that bridge quarterback set up with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I have a lot of DJ Moore shares in Dynasty. So that would be really good for that. Robbie Anderson's a good wide receiver. I think that, you know, obviously they've got Christian McCaffrey. So they've got an offense that can really help out a young quarterback as he develops. Um, they're really trying to figure out their quarterback of the future. I think it'd be awesome to see them land one of those two guys. Okay. So again, I don't want to keep 
pimping out my fields article all podcast, but I was breaking down top five landing spots. Like I asked in this question, 49ers, I had number three Panthers. I had number two, number one, just in terms of, I think the ease to maybe go in and seize that starting quarterback job. I think it's the Denver Broncos, man. Unfortunately, I don't see them really moving off of nine. So we'll see if one of these quarterbacks even lands to them, but if we can get someone in there to throw to Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, yeah. AJ Hamler, Noah fan, Tim Patrick, Albert L there are weapons all over the place, man. I hear you. If it's a situation where just where we want the guy to go, I think the Panthers, uh, Joe Brady and Kyle Shanahan uh, with the 49ers, like, those schemes and those just those are better real life situations than the Broncos. But in terms of just 2021 fantasy value, man, I think if someone can get to Denver, unfortunately, probably kick my guy Drew Locke to the curb. I think they can make a lot happen with that offense. I would love that too. Yeah, they'd have to make a trade up, but you know, you you could definitely see it happening. Yeah, I would be really excited uh, if either of those guys go there. I'm I'm less excited about Mac Jones, but I would even if they got like Mac Jones. That would be something at least because I'm I, I don't know if Locke's gonna end up doing it. I don't know, man. Again, I know <laughs> people like I he was fifth in big time throw rate last year and he was 35th in turnover worthy play rate. Like I understand people that don't have to, you know, do this for a job weren't exactly trying to watch like every single Denver Broncos game week after week, but there were legit flashes of brilliance, far more flashes yeah. of him looking awful, which should outweigh the small great plays. But you know, if there's a if you're a bad quarterback, at least be a bad quarterback that sometimes is good. That was what Drew Locke He came was through like. in a couple of big spots in DFS. Look, man, not every quarterback is a finished product after two years. You know, I, I dubbed it potentially a millennial Ryan Fitzpatrick and all the haters on Twitter said, well, actually, Ian, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a millennial. So I'll worry about that uh, player comp <laughs> a little bit more in the future. We'll smooth things out in the war room and get back to it. Pat mentioned before, but you have an updated dynasty top 150 over at Establish a Run. Your top wide receiver tier in order, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, my guy AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley. All ballers, you're happy if any of these guys are in your team. But let's play some devil advocate here. Out of that group, who would you most be willing to part ways with for the right trade offer? I actually think it's the guy I've ranked first, Devontae Adams. Wow. Uh, I think most people have him wide receiver one. That's kind of the consensus. He's sort of a consensus first round startup pick. So you're going to get the most for him. He turns 29 in December. He's entering the last year of his deal. I don't think they're going to like blow up everything, but they did just take Jordan Love last year in the first round. <laughs> like they could, you know, kind of just reset after the year. If, if this year ends up being kind of a disaster or, you know, there's some downside risk with Devontae Adams with the age and the contract. He's definitely a true league winner type right now. Historic season last year. If you're contending, if you're just coming off of a title championship game, I'm riding with him. But you need to be in that spot to, to be rostering him because it's not just that, you know, he's going to probably have the, his best chance of another huge season is this coming year. But also it's like, this is probably the last time that you're just getting a King's ransom for Devontae Adams. After this year, even if he turns in a really nice year, he's going into the season where he's turning 30 and people are going to feel pretty uncomfortable giving you a ton for him. So I think just try to honestly assess your situation. And that is the guy that I would try to be move on. Even though I have him first, I think you, know, you just have to factor in what you're going to get back for these guys. His value has never 
been higher. I mean, to your point. So you are going to get the biggest trade package possible and deservingly. So the guy did nothing except ball the hell out all last season, but yeah, man, I mean, you would like to think that Adams and Rogers are going to be in green Bay for the next half decade, but maybe not. Why did they draft Jordan love? And it's not like we haven't seen these alpha number one receivers get traded Hopkins digs OBJ just in the last few years uh, have been shipped away despite having overwhelming success with their previous team. So it's interesting. I, I thought you were going to go with Ridley, but just in terms of the trade package you could get, uh, I would put Adams up there. How do you feel about Ridley? Because man, he was awesome last year, but some of those same concerns, you know, how much longer will Matt Ryan be playing at a high level? Ridley's second contract is coming up. You know, maybe they do dip their toes in the water with another high-end receiver. Um, how confident are you that Ridley truly belongs in this tier and that 2020 wasn't, you know, maybe his best season when we look back at things in 10 years? I like Ridley a lot. I think he's kind of always underrated. Like he's had, you know, he's, he looked really good entering the season. He delivered with this big breakout year. Uh, he was a pretty strong prospect. He was an older prospect, but he came out early. And I think he's never really gotten like full credit for just how good of a prospect and how good of a NFL career he's had to date. I'm not that worried about the situation long-term, partly because I think the Falcons may take a quarterback um, and they may start planning for, I mean, that's a, that's a spot where you could see maybe Lance going. If the 49ers go fields, then Lance could go, uh, go five um, or go four to, uh, to the Falcons. So right there, you're like, all right, well, the quarterback, the future is in place. Um, I think Ridley belongs in this tier. I think he's going to have a little bit to prove as Julio sort of ages out, but by the same token, I think, you know, he's going to slowly take over the alpha role in that offense. And so he should see his volume increase a little bit as we go forward too. He truly only busted one game last year, got goose egged by Jair Alexander and the Packers. But man, go back and look at those five targets. And I'm, I'm still pinning that as those on Matt Ryan more so than uh, Ridley. He was open. I'm taking that. Uh, I'm taking that one to the grave. <laughs> Good stuff. Certainly, you know, someone that, again, will be in my top 10 uh, season long wide receivers for sure. Moving on, you have three second year receivers in the wide receiver one range. Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins and C.D. Lamb. You know, really before last year's draft, the class was being lauded as, you know, one of the best groups of receivers that we'd ever seen. And I think they, you know, kind of lived up to that uh, in at least their first season. Other than them, though, so no Jefferson, Higgins, Lamb, which other second-year receiver do you think has a chance to maybe make a leap into this tier next season? And why is it Brandon Ayuk? It is Brandon Ayuk. Yes, let's go. <laughs> let's go. And, I, and I really wanted to say LaVisca Chenault because, you know, me and oh, Overzad yeah. on our pod, <laughs> we, we're always, you know, we were playing a highlight reel every time we drafted Chenault. <laughs> I really like Chenault. I think. You know, you're going to see a huge increase, obviously, in the quarterback play. I think the offense there is going to move faster. But Brandon Ayuk is looking like he's – I mean, first of all, we're going to get a quarterback upgrade now in San Francisco. We know that. That's huge. He was highly productive in college. He is – he's showing that he can operate at all depths of the field. At times last year, he was getting used kind of pigeonholed as a deep threat. But at other times, he was getting used on a lot of shallow stuff, getting – they were taking advantage of his after the catch ability, but by the end of the season, he was operating as like a true number one wide receiver, running a ton of routes, getting used at all depths of the field. He's got great size. I think he's developing into their alpha wide receiver. And I think he could end up being Kyle Shanahan's version of AJ Brown. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Just let that one linger, <laughs> man. That, that is pretty, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, okay. George Kittle and Debo Samuel are fantastic too, but you look at Kittle and he, 
you know, you could say he's a better blocker than receiver. I wouldn't, but he's just so good. We've seen Shanahan lean into him just more as a blocker. The guy can do a lot of things. You know, we just don't necessarily need to feed him as many targets as he can get. Debo Samuel, man, the dude had more yards after the catch than receiving yards last season. Right. They basically use him as a running back, and he's very good at what he does. But, yes, Brandon Ayuk, 128 target pace last season, even though he was on the COVID list twice and he had, you know, two or three games where, like you said, he wasn't even kind of being used as a full featured number one yet was almost being more typecast as a yak guy which is what he was profiling as coming out i thought you know just in terms of just who looked the best as a rookie i would say justin jefferson takes that honor but i thought Ayuk was honestly number two yeah. i understand you know higgins lamb they might have you know more volume coming their way but yeah just Ayuk, what he could do in the red zone deep after the catch i mean the guy jumps over a dude against the eagles and like has another 10 amazing highlights that we can feasibly put before that because he's that complete of a receiver absolutely love the call on Ayuk. and real quick while we're on the uh, subject Biscuit Chenault man if you just look at in terms we were talking we opened up the podcast talking about rookies and really trying to buy them closer to their floor than their ceiling I feel like LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark right now are being priced much closer to their you know low end of uh, range of outcomes I agree I don't think people are factoring that this offense is going to be a lot better with you're adding Trevor Lawrence and the, you know, the quarterback play was really bad last year and the coaching was bad too. I mean, everything was bad. Everything was bad. They, everyone wanted to go home last year <laughs> all season. and now they're, yeah, all season. Now they're going to have uh, a really exciting young core. And yeah, I think the fact that you have shark there, the fact that you have, I think Jones could help a little bit. I'm a little concerned with Chenault that, you know, if they're not constantly running out of three wide receivers, maybe he isn't playing, you know, all the snaps, he isn't running all the routes and they have Jones and shark out there for the two wide receiver set. But LaVisca Chenault, I think his upside is to play on the outside and in the slot and get a few snaps in the backfield and be that kind of dynamic versatile guy that we expected him to be coming in. So yeah, you can draft Ayuk and Chenault. You can get them both. And if you want to hop on the Aegis bandwagon with me, man, like I, I just don't even consider Marvin Jones like a player anymore. I'm just out. And when you're out, <laughs> that, that lets us focus on Visca and Chark and those other guys. So we'll see. Marvin's been great over these last few years. I'm just not going to go out of my way even a little bit to draft a 30-plus receiver and, you know, changing teams no. into an uncertain situation. Me so. neither. I'm just worried he might, might hurt the routes for it's Chanel. Fair. Very fair. All right, we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills. 68 teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. I have heard this NCAA tournament has been very compelling, although I do spend most of my time watching YouTube football highlights as opposed to that. But if you're a normal person, you can go to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game. And if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts on pro basketball, a real sport like hockey, golf and so much more so download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code pff when you sign up to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win that's code pff to turn one more time one dollar into one hundred dollars for a limited time only at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only restrictions apply see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details and if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT Pat, one of my biggest takeaways so far from doing best ball drafts is that the public absolutely loves Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I wouldn't say he's the consensus RB4, but you're seeing him in this, you know, first four, six running backs, almost unanimously drafted. 
I don't know, man. He's a stud. He's great with the ball in his hands. Naeem Hines is still there. Marlon Mack is back in action. And going from Phillip Rivers, even the late career Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz is objectively a downgrade. What do you make of Jonathan Taylor? And are you comfortable using a first round pick on him? Yeah, I, I was way ahead of consensus last year, you know, in Dynasty on Taylor. It felt like um, I was ahead of consensus on him for a lot of last year early on. I kind of rode the wave when everyone, when everyone got on board. I was also on board at the end of the season. Then in the playoff contest, I thought he was getting overdrafted there. He was overowned in in various playoff contests, in my opinion. And now I'm like worried I'm not going to be above consensus on this guy for like the next two, three years. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally with you. Like, he's an awesome running back. But I'm not in love with this offense. And I'm not all that convinced he'll catch enough passes. He gets used somewhat as a pass catcher. He's not going to get, you know, the complete just uh, grinder treatment, but he's not a true workhorse. He's kind of a little bit in the Nick Chubb type of mold. And Nick Chubb is awesome, but Nick Chubb is not going to put up the type of points like Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. I mean, it's, it's like you talk about We're this is fantasy land. We need the guys who have the right type of profile. It's not just about, what these guys are doing on the NFL field, you know, how good of a skill set they have at what they do best. Like Jonathan Taylor as a pure runner is absolutely fantastic, but is he going to rack up those PPR points in the same way? And you're, you're paying for him like he is, you know, the number four player overall, you're paying for that. I don't, I don't think he's that guy yet. I think he could be once Heinz goes Heinz to free agent after the year. I think Taylor can develop into that, but I'm not ready to draft him like he is that guy right now. This situation is like far closer to almost like what the Bears are dealing with than I think anyone wants to admit. Taylor, like David Montgomery, absolutely smashed over the past, you know, over the last two months of last season. A lot of that because of the schedule, man. I mean, look, credit to Taylor. He's not, he's not, he doesn't control who he's facing, you know, on the other side of the ball. But when you finish your hot stretch against the Packers, Texans, Raiders, Texans, Steelers, Touche, and the Jaguars, it's just like, okay. Did we really see him take over or did we see a slightly banged up Jordan Wilkins, you know, not really uh step forward and Taylor take advantage of, you know, an end of the season run, bringing back Marlon Mack is not good at all. Naeem Hines is still the pass down back. And yeah, not having rivers there not only hurts the overall, I think offensive scoring chances, but they're also not going to be thrown to the running backs uh, nearly as often. So Jonathan Taylor RB one, just not the RB one that a lot of people are making him out to be right now. I do not expect to be exiting many drafts with him. And I'm comfortable with that at the moment. Want to stick with, with these rising second years backs. I mean, look, we talked about the wide receiver uh, class, but this running back uh, group is pretty yeah. awesome and it's right as well. Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, Claude Edwards-Alaire, J.K. Dobbins, James Robinson. Hell, we'll even throw A.J. Dillon in there. New game, Pat. I'm leading it off with you, man. So hopefully uh, don't make me look too stupid, but buy, trade, marry. Buying means you want to trade for them right, right now. Trade, you want to get rid of them. Marry, you don't want to give them up at all. Pick three. So the buy is Clyde Edwards Elaire. Um, 2020 was ugly, but you know, still was a first round pick. He's still on the Chiefs. Looking at some of the PFF metric, didn't didn't embarrass himself. He's running back 13 in elusive rating, right between Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara. Uh, it's a little bit similar to David Montgomery going into last year, where it's like okay, he was breaking a lot of tackles. He's elusive, but we need to see the long runs show up. We need to see improvement in the receiving game, but we do see players take a leap in their second year. And 
you know, while Montgomery needed Tariq Cohen's injury to kind of unlock that additional work for him, I think it's already kind of lining up for Edward Zulaire with Damian Williams being cut. I think that's like kind of sneaky big because I was expecting Damian Williams to come back and have a role. They go ahead and move on right away. And it allows, um, it allows Edward Zulaire to kind of take over from Daryl. And I think he has a chance to do that. And if he has that backfield mostly to himself next year, and he's a little bit better, uh, he will be a smash. So you're taking on a little bit of risk with him and, you know, you could argue, Hey, take, you know, trade for DeAndre Swift, trade for Cam Akers, which I think those guys are great, but Edward Zillaire feels a little bit undervalued to me right now. JK Dobbins would be the guy I'd trade away. Uh, I do expect him to be the Ravens lead back. I also think he's very good, but you know, if I'm trading this guy away, I'm assuming this is dynasty and in dynasty young running backs are very, very pricey. Young running backs have most of their upside already baked in. We're looking for, the next star we're looking for the next Alvin cook, the next Alvin Kamara. And so you're paying for that potential that they turn into a 20 plus point per game type of dude. If a guy turns into a serviceable running back, that's actually a huge loss for you. It's a ton of opportunity costs. If you want that, you can go trade for Chris Carson. You're, you're looking for a guy that's going to be priced above eight K on DraftKings next year. Like that's what you're paying for right now with J.K. Dobbins, I'm not sure he's ever going to be this that guy in this offense. I think the Ravens are probably going to keep rotating in other backs to keep him fresh. They're not going to throw to the running back all that much. So I'm starting to get a little bit nervous about him hitting that huge ceiling. That's why I would trade him away. And then I'll, I want to marry Antonio Gibson. Ooh. Antonio Gibson, you know, his red flag coming in was that he might be a satellite pass-catching running back that – is this guy even a running back? He's only had like, you know, eight touches or whatever in his entire career. (laughs) You know, he's very explosive, but he's just a total project. Now the red flag is that he's a two down grinder who doesn't catch passes and JD McKissick's in the pass catching role. This is a fake red flag. He's a converted wide receiver. He's explosive after the catch. He does have the capability to turn into a three down workhorse. I think they were bringing him along slowly. He wasn't great in pass protection last year but he's a bigger running back I think that's something he can add on in year two and you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick now I think this is going to be an offense that's a lot more functional it's going to score more points I honestly think he's got Christian McCaffrey year two upside I think it's plausible that the hype starts on him enough this season that by August he's a a top 10 high stakes pick and it's very plausible to me that he's a top five dynasty pick by the after this season heading into 2022 dc cmc man let's let's make it happen i don't see uh, why not i mean that was the issue last year it was thinking i thought peyton barber was going to be the issue yeah exactly what is gibson as a between the runner tap between the uh, tackles runner he overcomes that in one week it was just jd freaking mckissick that had to hold back the targets so in terms of just best case scenario three down potential i do think antonio gibson deserves number one spot would you agree if you know Let's say, you know, you're feeling warm and you can marry two people here. Gibson and Cam Akers uh, as the other one, just in terms of just raw total volume. I mean, it seems like Akers could be setting up to be, you know, McVay's newest talk girly. Yeah, it would have been Swift, but then the trade happens. And now I'm with you on Akers because I, I think Swift is is like a type of running back that we're looking for. He's kind of that Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones type of running back. And that to me is the perfect fantasy running back where you don't even need all the touches. You can kind of get there on less work. but 
post trade post you know the new coaching staff just the lions not having like any weapons uh, i agree i think it's acres i think he could be huge and here's my my dog barking for acres so the, the dog's sad about the swift situation too i mean it's you know one of these things we just gotta we gotta be adjusting to swift can do it all we already had you know like one of the first things dan campbell comes out and says you know there's the token offseason coach speaking you know, really excited to use him more as a receiver in the slot yeah uh, next year so they're saying the right things that could happen but just realize you know lions probably the single worst team in the league right now usually that doesn't end up producing and- too many uh fantasy friendly goal line situations yeah and i think you know running backs are generally like they're getting their value from their offense more than creating value for the offense and you know as good as swift is he's still going to get most of his value from whether or not the lions offense is functional and scoring points the rams offense looks like it could be really good so uh, i think acres is pretty exciting um I just think Acres. Everyone's excited about Acres. He's going to go high. He's very expensive in Dynasty. He's expensive um, in redraft. I think Gibson's still some of his upside isn't quite priced in yet. All about identifying that value. Only thing I would add is I'd be looking a little bit to sell. You know, for the right price, maybe not sell James Robbins because he's not at his highest value anymore. But I'm worried about it, man. I just them adding Hyde isn't the worst thing in the world, but we can't overlook that Hyde, you know, was very successful for the new head coach uh, in Jacksonville. The last time they were together, I don't feel like they're done addressing the running back room. My biggest issue is like Jacksonville quietly really over the past, you know, five years, like the whole Fournette era, this was one of, you know, only a handful of teams in the league that was willing to give their RB one, a true three down workload. And it seems like a bit of a stretch to assume that Robinson's going to have that in a new offense. So yeah, you know, you're probably not getting a ton for him right now. So I'm not saying you should go out and sell him, but just in uh, the way the drafts are going, man, when I see him there and kind of that RB2 range, not someone I'm, you know, actively looking to pull the trigger on. Yeah. And you're now dealing with the offensive coordinator that didn't commit to DeAndre Swift and yeah, was playing Adrian AP's Peterson. Old ass. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, all right, Swift is better. He's a better running back than James Robinson. Sure. There's no doubt in my mind. And so I don't think they're going to commit to, you know, the, I mean, what, like 85, 90% snap rate that James right. Robinson was getting. I think Robinson will lead the Jaguars in touches. The problem is, is that number is going to start with a two instead of a three, uh, like yeah. we would have projected last year. All right, so looking at some of these spots that don't have their RB ingrained, decent chance, I think, the eventual starting RB for the Dolphins, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, maybe the Cardinals, with all due respect for Chase Edmonds, might not even be on their roster at the moment. Which of these fits would you be most pumped about a high-end rookie RB joining? So whether you're at ETN, Najee Harris, whoever you know you're standing in this in this draft class, who do you want your number one? What team would you want your number one RB to land on? I don't think this is the best, but I do think it's just kind of interesting that I think the Jets are actually a, a decent landing spot, and we're you know it's the Jets, so it just seems kind of gross by default, but. <laughs> They're going to have a new court, a new quarterback. They got a new coaching staff. You're going to get the Shanahan style offense. I think that would be pretty interesting to get like ETN there would be, would be pretty interesting to me. Um, I think the Falcons are a pretty good landing spot despite the Mike Davis signing. I think if they take a running back high enough, then Davis could just be kind of a pure backup, an insurance policy. And so if the running back is good, you could be looking at a workhorse role there. And I think the Falcons will have a functional offense and, uh, probably an improved offense from last year. So that would be probably the best landing spot, assuming the Cardinals aren't dumb enough to draft a running back because they don't have a third round pick. They really shouldn't draft a running back, but it would be pretty exciting if they did for fantasy purposes. I think that's probably the best landing spot. Um, you have, you know, Kyle, Kyler Murray, you've got 
that explosive element. If you added like ETN there with his explosion, that would be wow. really, really fun. So that's kind of my dream scenario. Yeah, we're going to need to watch that situation closely because Chase Edmonds, he's only had two like featured uh, games as a starter. And he got 29 and 28 touches on 94 and 96% snap <laughs> rates. So I realized last year, you know, it was pretty split down the middle with Edmonds and Drake. But if you go back to 2019, man, whoever it was, Drake, Edmonds, uh, even David Johnson before he got injured, those guys were getting featured, you know, pretty much more than anyone. So if it does shape up where the Cardinals don't draft someone and we're looking at Edmonds, you know, Benjamin and, you know, whoever the hell else they may, they drag in off the streets, uh, Chase Edmonds is going to be quickly uh, in that RB1 discussion based on volume alone. Yeah, go ahead. I, I would just say, you know, with the Cardinals as well, even if Edmonds is involved this year and they, they do draft a running back, Edmonds is a free agent after the year. So you, you know, you're kind of in that spot where it's like the, a rookie can have a pretty solid year there and then Edmonds leaves. And now we're all super, super excited about him entering the year. So you get kind of that free look situation with the, if they draft a running back, uh, another reason to be excited about it. Yeah, this whole all the situations, man. If the Dolphins don't add anybody again, which wouldn't make a ton of sense, but Miles Gaskin all of a sudden is more enticing. I, I kind of like Miles Gaskin. I hope I, they don't draft anyone. I do too, man. He was their three-down guy doing everything they wanted. He uh, you know, he, he didn't score six touchdowns in week 16, but he uh came pretty <laughs> close to still winning a lot of uh fantasy championships. I guess Pittsburgh is the interesting one. Like they have to add someone, I think. I just don't see them entering 2021 with Benny Snow and McFarlane as their top two. It if by some way they don't add any running back of substance, is there a running back in Pittsburgh you would like, or are you just kind of staying away from that offense in general, at least as far as this muddled running back situation would go? I actually just in these FFPC dynasty leagues, you have to cut down to 14 skill players uh, on by March 31st. So I literally did just cut Benny Snell from one of them. <laughs> there you and go. So I, yeah. So I'm like, eh, even if this all breaks, right? Like how good is Benny? Is he a top 14 player on my roster? Like, no, he isn't. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not that excited. <laughs> the best case scenario for the backup running backs is still like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Quick note. We've been talking a lot about best ball and truly people. If you like fancy football and if you like playing fancy for money, you need to check out underdog fantasy underdogs got everything, including season long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. Go to underdog fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF edge annual subscription. That's promo code PFF draft. Now at underdog fancy just completed one last night with my guys andrew erickson and jared evans had a nice little ryan Tannehill, ajb anthony ferkser stat you know nice. i'm looking forward to getting that championship money come uh, december or so we'll just uh, wait out the months in the in the meantime so good stuff there over underdog fantasy code pff three more questions for you pat and we're gonna get a little quirky now fantasy aside just who do you think is the best running back in the league neutral situation god turns off injuries salary cap isn't an issue we're giving the ball to one human being 400 times. Who is it? I think it's Saquon Barkley. Yes. You know, we saw how good this offense was without him, and it was not not good at all. You know, I think it just gives you even more appreciation for what he was doing before he got hurt and, you know, to start his career. Obviously, we need him to be fully healthy following the entry, but you said, you know, I can turn on God mode here, and uh, I'm going to do it. He's fully healthy. His, his knee's never been better. Uh, just the speed, the power, the insane elusiveness, his receiving ability, his size, like he's got everything you're looking for. I just want him on a good offense and nowhere near Jason Garrett. 
<laughs> exactly man. please just keep, put the clapper down at this point or you know send them to college or something my goodness uh yeah man i'm with you that's i think this is the receiving part with saquon because if you want to argue ball in their hand you know derrick henry nick chubb saquon I, I think you can make a good argument for any of those guys but i mean saquon got 91 balls as a rookie man he's doing it looking smooth as hell they've lined him up as a true receiver and he's done double moves and stuff before truly yes i'm, I'm with you the best running back in the league one healthy when everything's going right just please please Jason Garrett just don't do anything too crazy this year he gave he gave Saquon that massive uh role in week one in that Pittsburgh game the only time we saw him so I'm optimistic I have Saquon you know certainly in that tier one RB group you should be taking before uh your first wide receiver but just know uh not not exactly the perfect offense to be uh taking the workhorse back from but Saquon is something special for sure Pat if you could change one thing about fantasy football as a whole no matter how unrealistic what would it be in one I went really unrealistic with this. So every week, everyone gets to pick one player and then you know what their exact stat line will be. But it's impossible to share that information with anyone else. So you could just, would they have to be on your team or you can look at no, anyone? Just anyone in the league, you can just pick, I'm going to use my free, uh, <laughs> my free ability to see what happens with, uh, you know, on this player, any player you want. I didn't even but. consider that, but it's actually pretty <laughs> awesome. And no way could we ever make this happen. But hey, that's, no. that's my fault for throwing unrealistic. <laughs> you said you said as unrealistic as you want. Well, that's that's I had, how I went with it. I had two words written down in my notes: kill kickers. I mean that figuratively. <laughs> but I, I don't want kickers. I don't want kickers in fantasy or real life football. And people go. Yeah, that's always a backlash. I go, I go, remove kickers from fantasy football, and people go, like, you're just lazy. You don't want to learn all the nuances of fantasy football. And I go, great. Let's remove them from the real thing as well. And, like, nothing would piss me off more than being in high school and having, you know, your soccer player of the year walk over for 15 minutes, like, once a week and pretend like they're a part of the team. It's a disgrace, <laughs> you know, as someone that's been trying to explain to my girlfriend for a while, like, how football works and we're still struggling. Like, I don't even address the kicking game because that's just an entirely new can of worms that really isn't that important but just makes everything that much more complicated so kickers i don't like you in real life or fantasy get out of the great game that we know and love called football and that's that <laughs> pat we saved the best for last ronald jones season now this is our first time talking we were in an auction draft last summer my first ever auction draft i it was saturday i've been drinking for several hours at this point ronald jones comes up I know Ronald Jones is your guy. <laughs> I decided in that moment that there was no way I was losing Ronald Jones to you. Now, my auction team did terrible. So that my moral of the story is not that you should draft Ronald Jones, but I did take Ronald Jones from you for like 25 bucks or something yeah. absolutely absurd at the moment. <laughs> so with that said, you know, I did that ironically. I hope you're not too hurt uh, from that moment, but let's talk about his real life fit. Obviously, he's a great player, but with Lombardi Lenny back, things are looking muddled. What are your thoughts on the Tampa Bay backfield, you know, objectively? Yeah, so this Ronald Jones thing kind of happened, like, naturally or accidentally. Like, I never, like, <laughs> saw that, yeah, that I was going to kind of, like, become this huge Ronald Jones truther, but it's it's always been kind of about his ADP. So in 2019, you know, people were leaving him for dead because he had this terrible rookie year, but I thought he was a really strong prospect. He was a second-round pick. They had a new coaching staff, as it turns out, a much, much better coaching staff, but they still had the GM that drafted him. And I'm like, hey, we shouldn't leave this guy for dead. So I ended up having a ton of Ronald Jones in 2019. And then in 2020, couldn't stop drafting him because people were assuming he was going to be a backup to Keyshawn Vaughn. Then he was going to be a backup 
to Leonard Fournette. And so, you know, he was, he had shown by that point that he's actually a pretty solid running back. He was running back 16 and elusive rating in 2019. He was actually running back five in yards per route run in 2019. They used him a lot in the screen game. So, you know, I had a ton of him last year at this point. I actually do think he's probably fairly priced in the seventh to eighth round range. Um, we know he's not getting the third down work. We know that it it's like, there was almost nothing more consistent last year. When you look at the numbers than like it's third down, Ronald Jones comes off the field. Yeah. So that's a, that's a problem with, with our fantasy running backs, but I do think he still has some, some week to week upside. He's an explosive runner. He should get some goal line work. He's got to fall into about the ninth round range before I think he'll be mispriced again, but I expect him to, <laughs> I think that as draft season moves on people will start to view Leonard Fournette as the starter Ronald Jones more as a backup committee running back and he will fall into that ninth 10th 11th round range and I expect uh to be bugging Pete Overzet to be drafting him in all our high stakes leagues once again <laughs> ninth 10th round range that's when we'll be back in on uh that's when we'll Joe. be back in it's like his he's so bad in the receiving game that people just like really assume that he is this bad running back when dude, I mean, he looks so good as just a pure runner. When you, once you get the ball, yeah. once you complete the act of transporting the ball from the quarterback to Ronald Jones, like he is truly fantastic, but yeah, man, it's like look, uh, freaking Fournette wouldn't be the assumed pass down back on almost any other roster in the league, but because Rojo is the competition for that role, uh, it just works out that way. I just remember it was week five and Ronald Jones, catches a touchdown like he goes down scoops yeah. it rolls into the end zone and the refs rule incomplete and rojo just like flips the ball the guy like yeah you know sucks i dropped that one and we see the replay and he caught the ball i've never seen an nfl player catch the ball be told it's incomplete and just you know whatever is what it is not surprised and they so. didn't challenge that right or he got he no got they didn't challenge it because he didn't even believe he caught it oh, so frustrating yeah <laughs> oh man but I hey he'll always have that 98 yard run in I can't, yeah, I can't, by the way, don't be the person in August that tells me I shouldn't draft Rojo because if you take away all of his big runs, you actually didn't do anything. I hate that. A lesser running back wouldn't have ripped off that. Yeah. That's the thesis run. of the whole play is that he, he's a fast running back and he's got enough size to take it to the house. Thank you, Pat. You get it. Pat gets it. I hope you all have gotten more of it after listening to Pat and I discuss these topics. Fantastic stuff, Pat. Uh, let people know what you have on the docket for the rest of the off season. Yeah, I've got an, a rankings update coming out very soon at Establish to Run. Got rookie ranks coming out at Establish to Run very soon as well. Uh, ship chasing every Wednesday night with Pete Overzet and Ben Gretsch. We are, it's about to be draft season. We're going to start doing some best ball drafts. And then before you know it, we're going to be doing our regular high stakes drafts over there. So uh, that's, uh, that's what you got to look forward to. My dog's been about to bark for the last <laughs> 10 minutes and I've been trying to keep him under wraps. So I feel like that's a great way to end it. Your dog going. Yeah. I just had PFF Lily bark a little bit too. Oh, there she goes. Yeah. I think yeah. PFF Lily surprised uh, Pete Overset is still a, uh, you know, football guy. I thought he was just an NBA top shot thought leader at this point. But good I did hear, ask uh, him last night about uh, his thoughts on the quarterback class and he hasn't quite gotten his research uh, started. <laughs> <laughs> too good. All right. So at the risk of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to get the dog barks out of our listeners ears now thank you pat people can find you on twitter at pat Karain, p-a-t-k-e-r-r-a-n-e fantastic follow and again check out establish a run for all the ranks he's pat i mean this has been the pff fantasy football podcast and until next time take care everybody